1: podcasts. As pressure mounts on the government to introduce a two-week national lockdown, we're looking into the effectiveness of circuit breakers. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Your freedom is now dictated by your postcode and London, Essex and York addresses are the latest to move into Tier 2 Covid restrictions. That means from Saturday, residents can't meet other households, including in pubs and restaurants. And while some authorities are resisting Covid crackdowns, Greater Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham's been vocal in speaking out against the possibility of his region moving to Tier 3. Others say things don't go far enough. Well, agreeing on something would be far too simple for 2020. London Mayor Sadiq Khan and Labour leader Sikir Starmer are among those calling for national circuit-breaker lockdowns. But if we act now, if we follow the science and break the circuit, we can get this virus under control. If we don't, we could sleepwalk into a long and bleak winter. That choice is now for the Prime Minister to make. It's very easy these days to feel like it might be a long and bleak winter regardless. But the idea of this two-week circuit breaker lockdown isn't new. Notes from a SAGE meeting on the 23rd of September and published this week reveal the group recommended a two-week national lockdown. They said it would bring the R-rate down and could set the epidemic back by a month. But how much benefit is there in delaying transmission of the disease? And how closely should the Prime Minister be listening to these calls? Two not-so-simple questions that I put to our global health security correspondent Sarah Nui when I gave her a call earlier today. But I started by asking her what the difference is between a circuit breaker and the restrictions in place currently in England?
0: I think the main difference is A, that this would be national and B, the idea that it would be kind of short, sharp and quite strict for those two weeks. So in a way, is it much more strict than tier three? You could argue no. But I think the thing as well to remember is this would be over October half term or over a school holiday. That was part of the idea. People would work from home. You wouldn't have any social mixing. All pubs, bars, restaurants, non-essential business would be businesses including shopping would be closed um, and the idea is you'd want to have some sort of support mechanism for those businesses in place but I think kind of the thing that makes it different from tier three is a that it's national and b that it's time limited so this pop the whole idea of it is it's two weeks to reset the clock to be able to bring cases down so that your test and trace system, which works much more effectively when we're, when it's not overstretched, so when you've got like 70 to 80% capacity rather than 100%, much like the NHS and other aspects of our systems, I, I guess. And also, if it's only two weeks, it,
1: it kind of allows us all to plan our lives around it a little bit more. I wonder actually if this might be quite a popular move amongst the public because there's definitely something that's psychologically beneficial, isn't there, about knowing that these restrictions are going to be lifted after two weeks and you'll be able to see your pals again and run your business and all of the things that you might otherwise be missing out on.
0: Exactly. I mean, I've been in isolation following travelling in the last two weeks and it's so much easier. Well, at the beginning it felt easier that I knew it was only two weeks and then I'd be able to go um, out for a walk on the beach or go to the pub or whatever, it, it changes your mindset completely to what we were all going through in March and April when it felt like there was no end in sight.
1: Now, I do find this circuit breaker language interesting. It's obviously one of many, many new words and phrases mm. that we've added to our vocabulary in recent months. But the idea of a circuit breaker, it, it kind of implies that you can switch the virus off and get fully on top of it in two weeks. I have a feeling, I know what you're going to say to this era, but um, it's not possible, is it?
0: Well, yes. Yes. There are kind of two points to this. First is, if we're looking at it positively, there's little doubt that stopping us all from mixing with each other for two weeks would reduce transmission. Um, and the modelers behind the paper that lots of this was presented in, which went to SAGE, um, said yesterday that they think it would reduce cases by about 30 to 50%, so kind of put us back by a month. But the language definitely does suggest that it's much easier than it is. And what lots of people have said to me in the last two days is, this isn't a solution. Like it really is about buying time. And so it's success, therefore, is what you do with that time. So yeah, well and good. You you reduce transmission for two weeks, you go back to what the pandemic, you know, a month ago. And, and that's all fine and great. But unless you do something with that time, unless you strengthen the test and trace system, unless you have extra resources unless you you know think through what is your strategy what is the end goal of doing this and I think that's the gap at the moment it's not clear whether test and trace could be strengthened within two weeks and if you can't use that time to build up the capacity in those public health systems and to put other mitigations and other strategies in place because the virus isn't going to go away after two weeks it's still going to be here and if you're not careful in another month or six weeks then we're going to be in the same position again So I think you're right about the language. And it's really interesting if you look at where the idea of a circuit breaker first came from, Singapore was the first country to use the term. But what they mean by circuit breaker isn't what we're discussing right now at all. Um, they were talking about really hyper-local lockdowns almost. Um, and we've seen it in South Korea as well. So I think that the church cluster in South Korea is really famous. And they were able to shut down Diego, the, t- the town, after they identified this super-spreading cluster within this massive church with 5,000 people that went to it. Now, that's because they identified the source of an outbreak. And it's the circuit breaker there is all about... Anyone who might have come into contact with that church or bar or restaurant or school stays at home so that they never have, if they've got it or asymptomatically, they don't have the chance to pass it on. That's very different Mm -hmm. to what we're talking
1: about. In the UK, all those countries that you've mentioned, that as you say, they're countries which had very localized outbreaks, and and in fact, none of those countries really had widespread mm. transmission of the virus in the first place. Have we seen circuit breakers work in any countries uh, which are affected as badly as the UK? Well,
0: again, it kind of depends on what you're defining by a circuit breaker. Israel is kind of the most cited example. They had a second, but it was more of a second lockdown because they lost complete control. Um, they were very successful at fighting the virus the first in their first wave. But over summer, they kind of opened up much too fast, kind of encouraged everyone to go out and about as if all risk was alleviated. And they saw cases get really out of control at the end of August and beginning of September. So they introduced quite a strict lockdown. Originally, it was meant to be for three weeks. Um, It's now four weeks later and it's still in place, although they're talking about alleviating it come the weekend or next week a little bit. And it has cut cases in half from about 6,000 a day to 3,000, I think. So obviously, that's given them time and space to get out of control of the virus. But they still have 3,000 cases a day. It hasn't eradicated it. And that's the whole point of like you're buying time. You're not ending the pandemic. Another country that's slightly different from the examples in Asia, which is all kind of based around contact tracing and tracing backwards to identify the source of an outbreak rather than tracing forwards to who an, an individual who's infected has come into contact with. A country that's done it differently is New Zealand. We saw them go into a second lockdown over summer after the cluster in Auckland was um, identified. But again, that was slightly different because they had a very clear strategy, which was we're eradicating COVID completely from New Zealand. So they waited until they basically got rid of all transmission chains. Again, that's not what we're talking about in the UK because we've never had a zero COVID strategy. So that's where you've got to be really specific about what is the point and what are you doing with the time that you're buying.
1: And really specific in acknowledging the risks of doing yeah. this and the damage to the economy uh, and the fact that you might potentially put other people off seeking medical help for other conditions. Definitely,
0: although some people say that if we don't, You know, the situation is escalating right now. If we don't do something that's planned and um, proportionate and we know how long it's going to be, does that mean in a month or two months it's got so out of control that we have to go into a much longer unplanned emergency lockdown like we did in March? That's kind of the way up, I guess, as well.
1: Now, the WHO came out the other day and said um, that they didn't want lockdowns to be the primary way of controlling the virus. Mm -hmm. Where do they stand on these so-called circuit breaker lockdowns? I know that they did propose a two weeks on, two weeks off system for Pakistan, but that never ended up happening, did it? No,
0: it didn't. That was the government's choice not to make that happen. It's interesting bringing bring this up, though, because I've literally spent my morning on um, a press conference or press briefing with Dr. Hans Kluge, who is the WHO Europe director.
1: Very well prepared, Sarah. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: i do my best. Anyway, he was saying this morning that he really favours, he called them targeted proportional stepwise responses. And actually, when he was asked directly about, you know, what do you think of Circuit breakers. He said, much like I said before, you know, if it's implemented, the time really has to be taken to develop basics. And he said the most important point is this isn't a panacea, it has to be taken alongside other measures. And actually, throughout the whole briefing, he was quite anti national lockdowns. So he called them a very last resort and said that any nationwide tightening of decisions really must consider the direct risks and the collateral damage. An interesting point he said, though, that I will just drop in, which is slightly different to Bakers, but he was really stressing the idea of mask wearing and strict control on social mixing in public and private places. And he said that could save as many as 281,000 deaths or prevent 281,000 deaths in the next six months in Europe. Wow! And he said, going back to what we kind of have alluded to, you know, take these small actions, but take them, you know, be really strict about them now and then... The virus is a bit merciless. If you don't do something, then you are going to get into a position where you might need a lockdown. But that's really got to be a last resort. You know, we were caught off guard in March, but we've known that the this virus isn't new anymore. Um, we should have better tools in place than the blunt lockdown. It's basically the idea from the WHO, I think.
1: Sarah, you said at the beginning of this that you are in isolation after going away. Why don't you quickly tell listeners why you're away, and uh, and we'll put a link to the piece that Sarah was working on in the show notes to this episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I actually was um, lucky enough to head over to Manaus, which is in um, Brazil, in the north of Brazil, in Amazonas State. It was one of the worst hit cities in Brazil during the peak of the pandemic. And so I was there to find out a little bit more about what happened and, and what's taking place now, which was fascinating. It was clearly a lot of people who have been quite deeply traumatised by what took place there, um, speaking to ambulance drivers who, you know, if they didn't leave stretchers and oxygen canisters with their patients at the hospital, there was no space for them to go in and no resources to look after them. Grave diggers who, you know, buried more than 100 people a day. Um, mm. Photographers who captured all of this and saw people dying in front of them. So... It was a pretty bleak story in many ways. Um, it's concerning because people are quite worried that they're on the brink of a second resurgence. But it's also whenever you go to places which have experienced a lot of hardship, you meet amazing people who have um, incredible stories of you know strength and hope. So it was both quite an intense trip, but also an optimistic one. Yeah, read the piece for more information about what happened, though. <laughs>
1: The rest of the coronavirus latest news. Welsh police could use automatic number plate recognition to identify people travelling across the border from England. The First Minister, Mark Drakeford, said police in Wales had a range of techniques at their disposal to identify visitors from areas of the UK with the highest levels of coronavirus. He said police officers would also carry out extra patrols on main roads. Angela Merkel said to be deeply concerned new coronavirus restrictions agreed by regional leaders don't go far enough and Germany could be heading for disaster. The warning comes as Germany and Italy recorded their highest daily rise in infections since the start of the pandemic. It means Italy's no longer on the UK's safe travel list and anyone arriving in the UK from Italy, Vatican City or San Marino from 4am on Sunday must self-isolate for two weeks. As always, if any of those stories have piqued your interest and you'd like more information, you'll find links to relevant articles in the episode description as well as the link to Sarah's piece discussed earlier. If you get hit by our paywall... I have a simple solution. Head first to telegraph.co.uk slash audio, where listeners can get a 30-day Telegraph subscription completely free. There's some good news for what's feeling for many like a bleak old week. If you found today's show useful, please do leave it a five-star rating and perhaps even a short review on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe to this feed to make sure you don't miss the next update. If you want to get in touch, the email address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. And you can find me on Twitter. It's at T underscore This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis.